Give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. Amen. Amen. Oh, isn't God good? Amen. So good to be here. So good to be here. Amen. Amen. Thank you, musicians. That's we'll just turn to the word. And there's been a lot of preliminaries, and so necessary preliminaries, a necessary mini sermonette. Amen. 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 I certainly appreciate this opportunity to be able to speak to you and greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We too were in Saskatchewan last weekend and it was good. There isn't really words in the English language that describe that kind of a presence, but the same one that was there is here. It's what you make out of it. It's what you came to expect. I believe we're expecting great things from God. Amen. I know I sure am, as I was expressing to Brother Jeffrey, I said, when you haven't preached in about a month, it's kind of, it's more saying, Lord, just help me. <laughs> and uh, I want to just express in sincerity also just the condolences to the Dre family and the Wild family and the Kesser family, each one. I, God bless you and been praying for you and, and, uh, been rejoicing with them that have gone on. Won't it be a time? Amen. Amen. I was singing that the other day when Brother Jewel Fournier, the way he sings that, won't it be a time? Amen. Won't it be a time when we get over there? Oh, my. Amen. Let's take our Bibles. Brother, I'm sorry. I'm going to change it up on you, and the last shall be first. Uh, we'll go to Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 20. Amen. Jeremiah chapter 20, we'll just start at verse 8. Amen. For since I spake, I cried out. I cried violence and spoil, because the word of the Lord was made of reproach unto me. And a derision daily. Then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. (laughs) Good luck. (laughs) He says in the next line, he says, But his word was in mine heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. And I was weary with forbearing, and I could not stay. 
For I heard the defaming of many, fear on every side. Report, say they, we will report it. All of my familiars watched for my halting, saying, Preadventure, he will be enticed, and we shall prevail against him, and we shall take our revenge on him. But the Lord is with me as a mighty, terrible one. Therefore, my persecutors shall stumble, and they shall not prevail. They shall be greatly ashamed, and they shall not prosper, for their everlasting confusion shall never be forgotten. Hallelujah. Amen. That's the way the word of the Lord is. Like fire shut up in my bones. Amen. Let's just bow our heads together as we approach his throne this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, it's easy these days especially to be excited over the truth. Lord, to know, Lord, that if the truth has set you free, Lord, whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Lord Jesus, we're so happy to be back in your house. We can't really express it, but Lord, we're not just happy to be in this building, but to gather our little licks of fire together. Lord, as I've seen just a little cartoon, how the devil thought he'd shut the churches down, but God said, no, I just made a church in every home. But, Lord, we're happy to come together again. And, Lord, to enjoy your presence together, Lord, to fulfill the Scripture, Lord. And, Father, that we could just be in your presence and to feed on your table, Lord. So we ask this morning you come. Put the spread before us, we ask, Lord. And let us not be prejudiced, but just to eat as you say it. And, Father, we love you, and we commit ourselves into your hands. As Brother Harold has prayed, remember where the bride is gathered together around the world, Lord. Different brothers that are speaking. Some of us are in Saskatchewan. Anoint Brother Wayne Lawson, Lord. Father, remember the ones in Cloverdale, Calgary. They're gathering together, but Father, we want to gather one time all together with our brothers and sisters that have gone on before, Lord, and just to be with you. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. May the Lord add his blessing to his word. You may have your seats. and If you would, now we'll go back to the first, Brother Danny, and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It was, I told Brother Jeffrey, I didn't know if I'd get to the scripture in Jeremiah today, but then as I was sitting there and some of the things Brother Ed was saying, I said, I just have to read that scripture. <laughs> There's something about it when you have to isolate and you have to be over to yourself and it just starts whelming up within you and you can't help it. My poor wife has been preached to a few times this last few weeks, and, but Lord willing, we'll just keep pressing on. Amen. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and, and verse 10, all right, but when that which is perfect is calm, then that which is, par, is in part shall be done away. This isn't that it's put aside or put away, but rather that it's made whole. There is no more part. It is a whole. It says, but when I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. In verse 12, I want to take my text from this. And it says, for now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know, even as also 
I am known. And I want to take my title this morning as, But Then Shall I Know. And I want to just start out in this, this way, if we could, just that he says, well, we, we, we at one point, we now see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. And we know that 1 Corinthians 13 would be a chapter on love, but it's not describing a filial love. It's describing God. Because God is love, and it begins to describe, describe who he is and how he acts and who he treats. That he doesn't vaunt himself up. He is, he's a humble God, but yet he knows who he is. He's able to stand and endure all things, and he's able to keep his promises. And, but more than that, that if you're in that kind of love, you know, that's what you need. You need to be in God. You can have gifts, you can have signs, you can have wonders, but you've got to have charity. And, and, and here he would say, but now we see through a glass darkly. In other words, there, you know something's there. Like looking through a glass has been preached on many a times, but you know that when you're looking through a glass, you can see something. Perhaps it would see sort of a distortion or sort of uh, something, but you know that there is an object on the other side. You just can't quite make it out in the perfect detail of what it is. But he says, but, but we will know, but then face to face. Now in part, but when that which is whole, that which is perfect is come, that which is in part shall be done away with. Then we shall know, even as I also am known. See, the more that God reveals himself personally to you, the more you are known. And the more that you shall know of him. But if we keep God way out yonder, if we keep him as God just way up in the eons of time and space, he'll never be a reality known personally to the individual. And we find that denominations in the world has, has, has tried to keep him way out yonder, that God is just so far above us. But in the meantime, God has been trying to condescend down to where he could come and live in the individual. Amen. And then and, and we know that um, but rather says that it's just looking through a glass darkly if you're trying to keep God way off yonder. You know that there is a God, but he doesn't want to just be known that I'm here. He wants to be known who he is. He wants his attributes to be revealed. But as much as his is personally made real by revelation to you, I want you just to see this, and I'm going to try and go slowly this morning because I already know I'm not going to get through it, so we'll just take it slow, and, 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 and hopefully we can stay together. But as much as it's personally made real to you, the individual, by revelation, the clearer and clearer the picture becomes. The more that God reveals of himself, the more you can see clearly not just who he is, but you can see who you are. That's why he says, and he writes it in this way, he says, but then shall I know, even also as I am known. In other words, as much as it's revealed who you were before the foundation of the world, you will know who God is and always was, because you are a part of him. And it says this in, in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1. It says, very familiar to us, it says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. 
That's a glass darkly. It doesn't understand. There's a God, but it doesn't understand exactly who He is. It doesn't understand that God Himself became flesh and came down and dwelled in a man called Jesus Christ and He was the fullness of the Godhead. But they couldn't understand that. Neither can they understand a real believer. It says, Behold, verse 2, Now we are the sons of God, and it doth not appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him. For we shall see him as he is. Amen. How are you going to be like him because of revelation that he's put in you that you can see who you are, then you know who he is. Because it's a reflection. The moon is a type of the bride. And she's a re- the moon is a reflection of the sun. You know the sun's there when the moon comes up. It's a testament. You can't see the sun and it's already gone down. It's on the other side of the world. You can't see it anymore. But you know it's still there because the sun or the moon is reflecting back. And you might, the world is looking at it saying, but he's died, he's gone, but the world won't see me no more, but you shall see me. Why? Because there is a reflection. Hallelujah. Even though the world is groping in darkness, there's a moon that still sees the sun and reflects it back to the world. Hallelujah. He says, And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Amen. Because the Lord Jesus Christ is pure, then by the revelation of him, we purify ourselves. Amen. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 24. We really is what we're speaking on this morning is the reflection of the bride and how the sun comes to the moon, how the word comes to the bride. It says, in every man, now that's the last scripture, put the next scripture up there. <laughs> Genesis chapter 24, verse 62, thank you. It says, and Isaac came from the, well, from the way of the well, the Heroi. And he dwelt in the south country. Now, I'll keep it there for a minute. It says that this, Isaac came by the way of the well, Ahiroi. And we know that a lot of Genesis chapter 24 is spent on the bride. A lot of it's spent on Rebekah. A lot of it's spent on Eliezer going to fetch a bride. A lot of it's spent on how she watered the camels and how it was the camels that brought her. A lot of it's spent on that time and how the bride came to the groom. But there's one line in here that talks about the groom and how the groom came to the bride. It says, and Isaac came by the way of the well, Leheroi. Forgive me, I don't have a clue how to say that properly. But, but it, this, this word, Leheroi, le, is actually the living vision. And if you look at the very next verse, verse 63, it says, and Isaac went out. To meditate in the field at eventide. And he lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, the camels were coming. Now this this well is the living vision by definition. But notice Isaac came to his bride by the way of the well of the living vision. And I want to say this way, the living vision is thus saith the Lord. Because every time Brother Branham would go, and we, we've had the example in our day where Brother Branham would wait for a vision. 
So many times we even talk about how he would be, he would talk about how he was in Finland and how he saw the vision years before of the one boy. But then there was the mother of the other one that wasn't dead yet, but he said, you see a vision for my son. And he'll be well. But I, said, I can't just see a vision. Because the vision is thus saith the Lord. I can't just manufacture it. It's got to be God. And we find that over the day, she kept calling him every 10, 15 minutes. You see a vision yet? You see a vision yet? You see a vision yet? Why? She was waiting for the word of the Lord, and it was good faith. But rather, he says, just serve God with all your heart, and God will back up his word. And, and, and finally, we know, just to finish the story out, how we know how it was. The angel of the Lord came to him, and there was two daffodils there hanging down, and he ate the one candy. It was sweet. That was the one boy. The vision he had years before. Then he had to eat the other candy, and it was so bitter, he spit it out. And as he spit it out, the, the daffodil began to die over again, and, and the angel said, if you don't eat that, that boy's going to die. My goodness, I'd eat 100 bitter candies for that. <laughs> But he had to take that and eat that bitter candy, and, uh, and as soon as he swallowed it, that daffodil sprung back up again. And immediately, and, and we know the story, how he called the mother and the boy, he lived. And it was all right. Why? Because now he had, thus saith the Lord. It was a way that the word of God, that the bridegroom came to the bride. He didn't just come on a whim or on something that nobody would ever know. He came through a sign of, thus saith the Lord. And it was actually Hagar, a bondwoman in, the, in, in, in Genesis 16 and verse 13 that named this well as, as she was cast out and she was out there and, and her son Ishmael was dying from thirst and they ran out of water. But then as she prayed and it came and, and it down to verse 13 and, and she was at the well and she called the name of the Lord that spake unto her, thou God seest me. And she said, have I also here looked after him that seeth me? Wherefore the well was called, Behir, which means well, and La, which means living, and Roy, which means vision. And behold, it is between Kadesh and Baran. But here's the way that the bridegroom came out to his bride in the right season. He came out to the field to meditate, but he didn't just go any way. He came by a specific way, and it was recorded in the Scripture, not just where he went, but the path that he took. Amen. And it's the same way that our bridegroom always comes. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that carries us, the bride. It's those camels that we have to water with the word, that we got to stay in the word, we got to keep the waters of the separation, we got to keep those things, we got to keep it pure because it's that power that brings us to him. But what about how he comes to us? And he meets us on the basis of the living word, which is who he is. In power to transform, Brother Branham says, I mean to say that that's the truth. Jesus, the word, stood on the earth which was the word, and the one that was raised up, he raised Lazarus, and he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth on me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. There is no way to stop the living word of God. It's got to rise again. Amen. That's Brother Bannum's word in 1965 where it says there's no way to stop the living word. It has to rise again. How will it rise? In a people. 
And I'll say it this way. How has it risen in a people that it once again is alive today? It's not just, but it says this, that whosoever liveth and believeth in me. Brandon would clarify that, and, and, and God's provided a place of worship. He says, it's not on me. Not believe it on me, just that I am God, but rather believe in me. Amen. Amen. That he's coming to rapture all that are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. That's our ark today. I find it interesting in Matthew 24, after he would come down and he would talk about the day that, that the Son of Man would come and how no man knoweth the day or the hour. The next verse after that, he begins to, and the Father knows only, but not even the angels know. But, but in the next verse, he say, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. It wasn't just a, a certain day. It wasn't just about the conditions that were around, which we've surely returned to the days of Noah and the conditions around, where the true word of God has been mocked. It has been ridiculed has been spoken down about, but it's like fire in my bones. I can't stop but testify. I can't stop but preach the word. I can't help it. There's something in me, no matter how much I try to push it down, I have to testify. Right. Hallelujah. Because there's no way to stop it from living again, but even the days of Noah, where they had an ark. Noah built an ark, and the ark always was a preservation of life. Because here in this ark, as Noah and his family went into the ark, they were saved. All the living things that were to come out from the ark, they had to go into the ark. All the things that, that were going to survive this flood had to be in that ark. They might have had great things. find it amazing still to this day how God does things. He makes the ways of man look foolish. Brother Ram would talk about that age and say they had atomic power. How else could they build the pyramids? And they, they had all of these great things and all of this power. I'm sure they had great ships that they thought were unsinkable, Titanics. I'm sure they had great boats that they thought, well, we got all these boats and we got yachts and we got this and we got that. We got all of these great, wonderful things, but God said there's only one that's going to float. And I'm going to make it out of a porous wood. And I'm going to pitch it within and without. I'm going to so seal it with the Holy Ghost. It's the only thing that's going to make it out. Amen. And we had another ark that was there as the children were in, were in the wilderness, and they made an ark out of gopher wood. And they made this ark, and they covered it over with gold, but it was a preservation of life because the things that were in the ark was a rod of Aaron that had budded, and it had perpetual life. And there was the hidden manna which outside of the ark died daily, went rotten and molded, but inside the ark, it never went bad. There was the word of God there, the Ten Commandments, which was evidence that that is the living word. It's a life in that word, and it has to be in where there's life because that ark is a preservation of life. And we have an ark today, which that ark is the Lord Jesus Christ. And anything outside of the Lord Jesus Christ is death. Amen. Brother Branham says in the message, enticing spirits, he says, all that's in the world today is enticing spirits. Let me say it. He says, all that's in the world today is enticing spirits. Now, let me just say this, not because I could read minds, because I sure can't, but if you're caught up in the enticing spirits, something just occurred to you where you said, I don't really think so. 
There's some good out there. That's because you're caught up in it. But if you're not caught up in it, you'll realize all that's out there is enticing spirits. There isn't anything good. Oh, they keep putting themselves as good. They keep using words right out of the word like reconciliation to try and pawn it off as something good. And life matters to pawn it off as something good when in reality it's a perversion of the truth. Oh, my. Brother Branham says this. He says, the son has got to be revealed again in the bride in the last day. Listen closely. This is from the rising of the sun. He says, the quickening power has got to come. Quicken them out of those dead denominations and creed to a living word, to a living God. We didn't just come back to revealing a bunch of words on a page. All the mysteries being revealed wasn't just so we could understand the word of God better. Even though, to be honest with you, without the prophet, we wouldn't understand that at all. We'd be looking through a glass very darkly. But it took a prophet, the highest order, to come and reveal what the word of God said. And we know that, that, that we, we didn't just come back to just the revelation of what it is. It's got to be a life. That's why it was those visions that was us, saith the Lord. That's why it had to come on Sunset Mountain. That's why there had to come seven angels. That's why there had to come thunders. That's why there had to come a dove. That's why there had to be an eagle rock. That's why there had to be a sword in the hand. Why? Because it had to come by a living vision. Thus saith the Lord, because that's the way the bridegroom always comes to the bride. He says, no, it quickened them to new life. It does the same thing to us now. Notice that, that they were so quickened in that quickening power. The battle says, listen close now. I'm trying to show you. Because in reality, what he's preaching right here, the only way to really know what it is is to live it. But the best that he could possibly describe it is this way. He says the quickening power wasn't only for their soul. Because we spend a lot of time on that, and it's good because you must be born again. But he says it wasn't only for their soul. It was for their spirit. It had something for them that all of the depression, all of the anxiety, all of the things that they, you've been battling with in your mind... The quickening power is here to quicken that too. It's here to make that right too, to bring you back to the intended purposes of those five senses of your memory, your conscience, your reasoning, your imaginations, and your affections. It's to bring it back to the original. That's real reconciliation. It wasn't just for their soul, but it was all over them. Amen. It wasn't just for the spirit as well. It was for the body. Listen to this. He says, not only did the dynamics come in to quicken, but it quickened the mechanics. Hallelujah. There's the fullness of church order. This is quite a first service back, isn't it? We got it in our minds. We got to have church a certain way. 
We got it in our minds that we got to have the song leader for a certain amount of time. We got to have the preacher for a certain amount of time. And then we got to have them up. And there ain't nothing wrong with that. That's the mechanics. That's good. Everyone's got to be in their place just so. But here he says, it quickened the mechanics too. Till even the mechanics became alive. And I can tell you on the day of Pentecost, they had church like they didn't ever have it before. They sat in many uh, uh, synagogues and they listened to the priest read and they had to sit down and the priest preached and they had Jesus even with the greatest anointing ever and he, he read from the book of Isaiah and he sat down. But that day, it quickened the mechanics so much that they began to pour out of the church speaking in other tongues. They were so quickened by the power of the resurrection of Christ. I am the resurrection of life. Till they laid their hands on the sick and they got well. It quickened your mortal body. They were healed by laying on their hands. The Spirit quickened their fellowship together. Hallelujah. I don't want to just come back into fellowship. And see your beautiful faces again. I want a quickened fellowship. So when we come together, watch what he says. It was so quickened into the presence of God until when a person died and their soul got off, it called him back to life again. That's real fellowship. It wasn't limited to just the body. It wasn't limited to just the spirit. It was a fellowship of soul that even when the soul had gone into another dimension, they just called it right back again. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's two fellows in one ship, all right. Amen. You still with me? Am I going too fast? No, okay. I heard a mm-hmm and a no. So we'll stay at the same pace. Amen. In the Pergamian church age, Brother Branham says, if the church way back in the third age had only held on to the revelation of the living word in their midst, the power of God would not have faded as it did in those dark ages. And right today, when the church returns to the word in faith, we can say without a doubt that the glory of God and the wonderful acts of God will be in her midst again. Hallelujah. It's exactly what he's saying. We know how the Pergamian church age, it was the beginning of the dark ages and it receded, where now it was just such a diminishing and diminishing. But he says, if they would have just held on to that revelation of the living word, if they would have just held on to Jesus Christ that they had at the day of Pentecost, instead of letting it all go and letting the creeds creep in and letting this creep in, he said, they would have still had the power. But there had to be a restoration. The seed had to go in the ground and die. Amen. Again, in the Pergamian church age, Brother Branham starts out, he says, God became expressed in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus was the express image of God. That's not new to anyone here, I don't think. Again, in John 1 verse 14, it says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Catch this next statement. He says, The very substance of God was made flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is the expression of of the faith of God. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. 
Through faith, but Hebrews 11 would say, we understand that the world was formed by the word of God. And that God believed his own word. He said, let there be, and there was. How long that was, we don't know. But it was. And then God, in the prophet Isaiah, spoke, behold, a virgin shall conceive. And 800 years later, the faith of God in his own word brought forth the expression of it. Jesus, the word itself made flesh, spoke and cursed Capernaum. You with me? A hundred years later, Capernaum finally sunk. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. Thousands though. Perhaps millions or billions or trillions of years later, we find verse 14, and the word was made flesh and dwelled among us. Yet it happened. Because the very word of God became substance. It always does. The Patmos vision, Brother Branham says, how deeply moving and inspiring as he's describing, starting to describe the image of Jesus in Revelation chapter 1. He says, how deeply moving and inspiring as was the appearing of Jesus to John, who was in exile for the cause of the word. And behold, the living word now stands before him. What an illuminating vision for every descriptive attribute has a significance. That's the way God is. What a revelation of his glorious being as he begins to go on to describe about all of the things, the eyes of fire and all of the things of the, 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 the descriptive attributes of Jesus was standing there. But rather, he says that this is such a wonderful, illuminating vision where he says, listen, this is the living word. This was Jesus Christ standing there in the midst of the candlesticks. What an illuminating vision where he says this is who he is. Everything that he does has a purpose. He doesn't just come by a way of happy chance. He comes by the way of the living word. He knows exactly what he's doing. This is the great spirit God unto which no man could appear. No man had seen or could behold, was now tabernacled in flesh and dwelt among men, expressing the fullness of God to men. First John 1.18, No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, He hath declared Him. God, who on occasion would manifest His presence in the Old Testament by a, pillar of, by a cloud or pillar of fire that struck fear into the hearts of men, this God, whose heart characteristics were made known only by revelation to the words through the prophets, now become Emmanuel, God with us, declaring himself. The word declare is taken from the Greek root, which is exegesis, if I'm saying that right, says, which means to thoroughly explain and make clear. Now we look through a glass darkly. But then we will see face to face. 
That was the purpose of Jesus Christ is the mystery of God revealed. It's God in his threefold purpose. The purpose was to thoroughly explain and to make clear exactly who God is in a people. That is what the living word, Jesus, did. He made it very clear. He brought God to us. He was God. He revealed God in such perfect clarity that John would write of him in 1 John 1, 1 and 3. says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard. Hallelujah. Which, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. Hallelujah. We've handled the living word. For the word of for the for the life was manifested, and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that we that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. That God was truly revealed, He was manifested in the flesh, He that hath sent me. He that has seen me has seen the Father. Now let's take a step back again into now Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1 and 1 to 3. says that we have, we, we, we made note that Jesus was the express image of God. He was God expressing himself in man to man. Notice it was God expressing himself in man to man. But there is something else in that note in these verses, especially verse 1 and 2. God, who had sun-dried times and in diverse manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. Then he goes on to make a correction. He says, notice that that word by is not the correct translation. It should be in. In other words, it would read this way. God spake in times past unto the fathers in the prophets. In other words, it wasn't just God using another mouthpiece, but it was God in that speaking his own word. It was the living word for their day. Another place for them would call it the anointed word. And he says this. He says, God in times past spake unto the fathers in the prophets by means of the word. 1 Samuel 3, 21 says, For the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. How does he always come? By the living word. He says that brings us perfectly to 1 John 5, 7. Here it says the spirit and the word are one. Jesus revealed the father. The word revealed the father. Jesus was the living word. Today, he's still that living word. He doesn't change as Jesus Christ the same yesterday and forever. Oh, and today. He doesn't change. He's still the living word. The word revealed the Father. Jesus was the living word. Let me bring you to another quote. Sorry, I'm moving a bit fast right now, but. Brother Branham would say, and we're sowed with the incorruptible word of God. We are sowed with the incorruptible word of God. And if we're sowed with the incorruptible word of God and the Holy Spirit watering this seed, it will bring forth nothing, it will bring nothing forth but reproduce the life of Jesus Christ 
in every one of his believers. He makes a statement which is pertinent today, which he says, God help the day when men and women will just be what they are. God help the day when men and women want to say, this is just who I am. Just accept me for who I am. We're there right now. He says, so many, I'd rather leave this pulpit this afternoon if I wasn't a friend of Christ because I'd be an enemy. There is no neutral zone. He says, I'd be against it. If it's worth believing, it's worth testifying it. It's worth living for and dying for. By grace are you saved. That's from the message in 53, why I am a holy ruler. It's worth living for and it's worth dying for. Hallelujah. It's not just about, well, this is just the way I am, but rather it's, Lord, make me who I'm supposed to be. Reconcile me back to be able to live the life of Jesus Christ exactly the way it was. In the choosing of the bride, he says, if you got the Holy Ghost and can't cope with the Word, you got another spirit. That is exactly the truth. If you say, I got the Holy Ghost, but the Word of God says do this, and you're, well, I don't, you got something else. It's one of those enticing spirits. That's enticed you to something else. It says God's spirit is there on his word. The messianic, the anointed word. The bride must be Messiah, the anointed word. She must be the exact life of Jesus Christ. Not another, not something more, not something less, but exactly. If he was Messiah, she's Messiah. I mean, I'm throwing a lot in here, but I, I think it's, it's good. I know you've all been very hungry. Been on a starvation diet. <laughs> it ain't the same streaming. It ain't the same sitting in front of a computer screen. That's why last weekend was so good. It wasn't just the brothers that were there, but it was rather to be able to sit shoulder to shoulder. I didn't care that I had to wear a mask. It was nice to sit shoulder to shoulder and worship the Lord. Pull on the word. Sit in that presence. It's so good to be back in the house of the Lord. It's not the same sitting on the couch. With your nice slippers and your cup of coffee. Sorry, nobody did that, right? It ain't the same as getting up early on Sunday morning. Getting on your knees in prayer. Getting ready for the service. Creating an atmosphere in yourself. Getting up so you can get your kids ready so you can leave real early. So you can be here a half an hour early. So you can make it in the presence of God here in your pew. So you can pray and wait on the Lord. It's just not the same. But rather to be able to sit there in his presence, I know that there's a hunger. There's something that I know is in you saying, it's been like fire. And it's been shut up in my bones. I can't take it any longer. I got to shout. I got to scream. I got to worship. He says, but now come the head, the capstone, grace, grace, the capstone cried. The headstone crying what? Grace, grace, passed from death and creed into the living word of the living God. God only provided plan for his age. His sons in the word age quickened by the spirit like a spark that's lit off of something to make it alive. Hallelujah. 
Like if you ever take a hammer and hit an anvil, you hit that hot metal and you're forging something. You might, might be the hot metal that's really the main port, but there's sparks that shoot out. You say, well, I'm not, I'm not just that anvil. I'm not just that, that, that sword that's being made. I'm not just that thing, but I'm one of those sparks that's going out. I'm from the same fire. He says, and seated now, present tense, in heavenly places. Already alive and subject to every promise in the word. What does that do? You being a part of God's gene, God's gene, a part of the word. Other men, a part of God's word. Seated together. Manifest the entire body of Christ because there's no leaven among you. See what he's talking about. No leaven among you, just the word only. Seated in heavenly places in the door where he put his name, Christ Jesus. No leaven among you. That brings the entire fullness of the Godhead bodily among you. Jesus was the fullness of the Godhead bodily. That all that God was, he poured it to Christ. But we finally come through seven ages where God has been building. He's been building something to come finally to the capstone, could come down. So that way the body of Jesus Christ is not just a body, but rather it's anointed, it's quickened, it's made alive so that the body now is the complete the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Where's the body? Right here. Right there. Right there. Right there. Right there. In Saskatchewan. In Calgary. In BC. In Manitoba. In Ontario. In Africa. In the paradox, he says, what is it? Christ coming to his body. Christ is the word. We all know the anointing is Christ. And don't get confused here. Because Christ is the word and the anointing is Christ. Spirit and the word are one. He says, but the anointing is Christ that comes to the word that makes the word live. That's why it's so important. Bring your children to young people. Bring them to Sunday school. Keep them in the right atmosphere. Teach them on their bedside. Put them in the word of God. Why? Because you're putting something in. You might say, Brother Andrew, I, I, I can't quicken it to them. No, but God will. You're putting the word in, and it might just be a knowledge and a knowledge and a knowledge, but one day, you keep them in that atmosphere and one day God will come. Jesus Christ will come to Jesus Christ and there'll be a meeting of the Spirit and the Word and it will quicken it together and there'll be something in that child that can't deny the Word of God any longer. Amen. That is the anointing. Christ is the anointing, the Spirit that comes upon the Word and quickens the Word to make it live. The Word is in your heart. You believe the divine healing, whatever more in Christ. The anointing coming to His body. What's the connection here? Just like a husband and wife to become one. I love that type. 
Here you take it and you find, for me if this gets a little bit graphic, but a young woman, she goes through the cycle of life in her early teens or even late tweens. But she finally comes to an age of life where now all of a sudden she has something in her that has a potential. But until she's with a man, it'll never come to life. It rather comes to a cycle of death. But rather as it goes along and it goes along, but finally there's all that potential within her, but she's not the source of life. The man is the source of life. It takes a man to be with her, the man, the seed, from the man and the egg, from the woman to come together in order to create the life. We've got a lot of spiritual artificial insemination these days. Where they want to put all kinds of seeds and all kinds of eggs all in one, and then it turns out you end up with three. That's the same way it happens in the spiritual. If you take someone else's eggs and someone else's seed, you might end up with a trinity. But if it's God put the seed, and it's God's own life that came to you, there's only one way it could end up, and that's in the Word of God. And that's the true, there is one God in three offices. (laughs) That was for free. All right. But finally, it comes down to this. It has to be where the woman has to be with the man, same as the bride of Jesus Christ. She might have all the potential as a predestinated seed of God. You've got all the potential potentially within you right there. But until the anointing comes to that seed, until the bridegroom comes to the bride, it cannot bring forth life. But when the two come together, when Isaac came by the way of the living word, Rebecca came by the power of the Holy Ghost, and when they finally came together, it brought forth life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So now the church has got to get to the ministry. Sorry, maybe I read that wrong. Maybe it's supposed to say the church has got to get to the tapes. It says the church has got to get. I wish I had put that up there. It's got to get to the ministry. The church needs the ministry of the word until the church and Christ become one. He can anoint you for every blessing that's in the Bible. All of it's yours. Everything is promised that this age is yours. When we leave anything out, if anointing strikes that, it will anoint you. Think of that story of the, of the woman whose son went off to Bible college and, you know, she, she got deathly ill, sent him a letter and said, you know, I come, your mother's dying. And can you turn the monitor down a bit, Jeremy, for me? It's a bit loud here. And uh, we find that the mother was, uh, was, was dying, and, but we, we had somebody at a Salvation Army church that believed in divine healing, the power of God, and they came down and they prayed for her. And she got well. The son came back. You know the story how he came back. He said, listen, you know, well, what happened? You were dying, and then he sent me a letter saying, you're not dying. What's going on? But finally she realized, listen, they believed in Mark 16, and we, they believed. Oh, my, that, that, that if you lay your hands on the sick, they shall recover. They really believed in the quickening power of God. It wasn't just quickening the soul. It was quickening the spirit. It was quickening the body. If they lay their hands on the sick and they pray the, the prayer of faith, they shall be saved. He says, oh, mom, 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 that's not anointed. That ain't anointed. That ain't quickened. <laughs> she says, hallelujah. 
She began shouting. She began praising. Why? Because if you'll do that with what's not anointed, what about what's anointed? He's saying, listen, you might be looking at saying, it's just not anointed to me. He can do it when it's not anointed, but when it comes, the word will anoint it. You can't help but live it. You can't help but have the signs and wonders. Things that are to be December of 65. He says, I believe it's the same thing we live today. God bearing record of his own word by vindicating what he said he would do. Now we know that this is the day of salvation where God is calling man from the world, from the life of sin unto a life of service. In that day that God was poured out his spirit from on high, great signs and wonders are to accompany the ministry of this day. This and when the former and latter rain falling together then we know that there's supposed to be great signs and wonders I said well I thought the former rain was the former rain the latter rain is the latter rain absolutely but there's an overlap he goes into it another place where you find that there's the former rain which we know as the teaching rain or the sowing rain and what have you been sowing with you've been sowing with the incorruptible word of God seed word of God but there's also a latter rain or a harvest rain or a reaping rain which comes to, to bring the crop to maturity and he says, but when they're coming together and they're falling together, why? souls are still getting saved, but there's ones that are still coming to maturity. He says another place in the original spoken word is the original seed. He says, the latter rain is fixing to fall. You've held the seed there for long enough now, believing, and you're looking for the coming son. He's coming. That's not talking about a rapture. That's not talking about a resurrection. That's talking about the bridegroom coming by the living word. Saying, listen, you've held the seed for long enough believing. You're looking for what? God himself to come down the sun and quicken the seed that you've held on to believing for so long. That's exactly what it is. Repent to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Well, the Bible says it makes you candidate to receive the Holy Ghost. When you come through justification, sanctification, stay there. Until in his good choosing, he recognizes your faith and anoints it and fills you with the Holy Ghost. That's the coming of the Son of God down into a many-membered body to bring about the fullness of the Godhead in the church today. That's the real church, see? That elected seed that you have been looking for. And I'm going to send him to you. Let me just find a place to close. That's all right. All right, let's go there. Matthew chapter 24. Verse 
Brennan would say in the seventh seal, 31 to 34, he's dealing with the Jews. I found it interesting. He says, Verily I say unto you, this generation, Brother Branham says, what generation was that? The generation of Jews that seen Israel reestablished as a state. Have their own money, their own everything. They're a nation again. They shall not pass away till all these things be fulfilled. But in verse 35, he says, Heavens and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. The living word never fails. He says, But of of the day and the hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Just leave it there, Brother Danny. My Father only. I want you to catch this for a minute. Jesus is in the office of sonship when he's saying these words. He's not in the office of father. I and my father are one. Yet he says, only my father knows. Yet the son didn't know the hour of the day, and yet it was in his omniscience to know. Because he's the all-knowing God. But it wasn't the season of the office of fatherhood. He was there in his corporal body speaking and dealing with the Jews. Which the Jews are always the servants of God. The Gentiles are children. That's in the seventh seal. Brother Branham says, not the bride's servants, the sons. Not the sons' servants. Israel has always been God's servants. The church is sons, see, by birth. Israel is his servants. Catch that. You see, the scripture would say, he came to his own and his own received him not. He was not now at the time of his corporate body in the office of fatherhood. He was in the office of sonship, and that wasn't the season of the coming of the bride. Nor was it the season for the second coming of the Son of Man. He was there originally right there, but he was dealing this time with the Jews. He was in the office of sonship, but it wasn't the the season for the coming of the bride. But if you follow it, I want to go back. If you follow in your margins to Zechariah, Zechariah chapter 14. Zechariah chapter 14 and verse 7. This is really, I I wish I could take a lot more time on this. I I was counting the other day how many times Brother Brown says, I wish I could stop and preach on that for a while. (laughs) But he says, this is Zechariah chapter 14 verse 7 says, But it shall be one day which shall be known to the Lord, not day nor night. But it shall come to pass that at evening time it shall be light. When did Isaac reach the field? Evening time. He says, but at the evening time, it shall be light. How did he come? By the way of the living word. He came by the, thus saith the Lord. He came by the Lord Jesus Christ. And he reached there at the evening time. And he was there standing in the midst of the field. And he says this, it says, And it shall be at that day that living waters, waters the word, living waters 
shall go out from Jerusalem, half of them toward the former sea, half of them toward the hinder sea, in the summer and in winter shall it be. And then it goes on, what's the, what's the next happening after the rapture, after the coming of the Son of Man? It says, and the Lord shall be king over all the earth. In that day shall there be one Lord and his name one. Amen. That we're coming, we're just right on the cusp of that. Amen. Where we're right on the cusp of coming from Son of Man to Son of David. But we aren't there yet. We're still sitting here where there's still mercy on, there's still blood on the mercy seat. But as notice, was, let, me, let me just take another step back here for a second. Was Jesus not omniscient? Let me say this. Only what the office of omniscience showed him. John 5, 19 says this. Then answered Jesus them, saying, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself. But what he seeth, the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, those also doeth the Son likewise. Was Jesus omniscient? Absolutely he was omniscient because him and the Father are one. But rather he's saying, I could only step from, from, do what I'm doing down here when my Father, the office of fatherhood, tells the Son what he can do. In other words, how's he, how is God in flesh operating? The same way you and I operate. By revelation. He says, And the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things and that himself doeth. And he will show him greater works than these, that ye may marvel. See, I want you to catch that. God had to leave the great office of Jehovah. He had to come down to experience sonship so he could be that, what, so he knew what kind of a father to be to so many membered body of believers that would be called the sons and daughters of God so that he would know what it is to be son so he could properly express his fatherhood. He had to step down so far till he only showed himself what he needed to know for the anointed word for that season. <laughs> Hallelujah. So he could literally look at them and not lie and saying, only my father knows. I didn't show myself that in the sonship because it's not the season for that. In John 16, verse 13, this just brings it right home. How be it when he, the spirit of truth, is come? He will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear. Hold on a second. I thought these were all the same in the one God. Absolutely they are. But he's saying, it's not the office of the Holy Ghost in the individual to instantaneously know everything. You got to be in your theophany. You can't handle it right now. But listen, he says, but whatever I tell him, he'll tell you. Whatever I show him in the right season, that's why it was still the same Holy Ghost in Luther's day, and he'd sit there and smoke a cigar. Why? God hadn't revealed that to him, but he still had the Holy Ghost. 
Same day in Wesley, he couldn't have the same restoration that we have, but rather he could, he could come to a certain level because that was the way the Holy Ghost heard it. Bring him to this place. But today, when all the mysteries of God have been revealed, there's been a full pouring out of the fullness of the Godhead right into the bodily in the church. He's saying, I've totally released myself. I've totally given the Holy Ghost to know, but it's not in one individual. It's in a many-membered body. What is it, the church? What is the church? How did you get into it? When you're in there, everything that Jesus Christ was, you are. That's how he can make that statement. Whatever Jesus Christ was, you are. Because Jesus Christ walked by revelation of exactly what God showed him. The same as the bride of Christ walked by revelation by exactly what God shows her. Because they got the same Father. And they've come into oneness with the Father. Because the Father's the capstone that comes down crying, Grace, Grace. Oh my. What a God we serve. He says, the thing of it is, you're scared to use it. Or either you're not cooperating with his word. He says, and that won't do a bit of good. I don't care what you are. If you don't come fully into that word, it'll never work. It might be a strange place to close, but let's stand to our feet. It's not what we can do. It's what God does through us. I find it amazing. There's a scripture that we like to repeat. You know, we say, Lord, Lord, have not we cast out many mighty, done many mighty works in thy name. Cast out demons and all of these things. But if you read the scripture, it says, have not we done many mighty works in thy name. In other words, these were men that wanted to take credit. And say, I've done the works in the name of Jesus when in reality, if it's a mature believer, he'll look at it and say, it's not me, it's him. Brother Bradham would say that all the time. It ain't me saying these things, it's him. I'm not the one that's re- reading the hearts, it's him. I, I got to go back and listen to the tapes too. to Figure out what I just said to that sister, that brother. Why? Because it wasn't him, it was God. So is it in the bride. It's not us doing the greater works, it's him. That we should just lay ourselves and surrender completely into that word. Because if we're not totally, completely into that word, it won't work. So, Brother Andrew, we're living in the season of the third pole. Yeah, but you've got to die out completely to that word. And then watch it come to pass. Let's sing that song, Receive Me in the Coming of the Lord. Receive me. In the coming of the Lord, I've been made the final voice in the season of the bride. Oh, I have fought the fight, I have run the race, the battle is won. But what is it? 
Oh, it's Christ in me and Christ in you. sing that again. I'm going to invite Brother Ed to come. Receive me in the coming of the Lord. I've been made the final force in the season of the bride. Oh, I have fought the fight. I have run the race, the battle it's Christ in me, oh yes, and Christ in you, we are the and I could hardly find my way this morning as I'm listening to the word he's preaching and thoughts are coming and inspiration and quotes and I thought man the word is just being made alive and uh, I trust you feel that way about the word there is a mechanics to the word and, and pardon me if I just uh, we have a few minutes before noon so that's okay isn't it there is a mechanics to the word there is a logos to the word. That is the principle and the concept. And we hear that, we take that in, and we thank God for it. And a lot of that comes on an intellectual level. But it needs a quickening. It needs what the Bible calls the rima, the inspiration to make it alive in a moment or in a season. And I, I trust you see the season that we're living in. We are living in the season of the fullness of times. I, I, I put it this way. Well, let, let me put it to you in a carnal way first. It's like waking up in the morning and you're in a fog and then you get that cup of coffee. <laughs> okay, I know there's some of you that know what I'm talking about. And, and, and that smell permeates the air and then you have a cup of, and you start to feel alive again. Yeah, that, that's, that's feeling alive. Listen, there's other ways. It's like walking into a garden and smelling all the, the fragrance, oh man, this is, this is real. You know, and it's, you can be made alive in other ways. I, 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 I'll tell this story because I think it was last week I was out in the middle of the day and my wife was working at home and she was in the kitchen and I just kind of walked in quietly in the back door and I, I didn't want to scare her, but I kind of wanted to surprise her. And I just went, psst, psst, and she didn't get it. I went a little, psst. And all of a sudden she was sitting at the island. She jumps up and flies, ah! They go, well, I kind of had the desired result, but I didn't, you know. <laughs> That's being made alive. <laughs> yeah. 
You know what? We are living in a time where the things we've heard year after year, time after time, we've looked at it afar off, but we're in that season. It's happening around us right now. And if we can catch it, don't be dulled by the voices that are in the world. There's all kinds of voices, and they dull the supernatural. But the voice of God, the reality of what we're experiencing, we're in that season right now. I don't know where it is in the Bible, but we talk about to know, and, and, and I, I think it's to know is, is the one, I'm not sure, but it was to the Greeks it meant knowledge. It's not knowledge, but to the Jews it meant there had to be a practical outworking. Then shall I be known even as I am known. Let it be a practical word, not just a theology we migrate to, but let it permeate into your family life, into your everyday. The Christ that's with us on a Sunday, that's with us in prayer, is with us day by day. He's here. The angels are here. And he comes to us. And I love how Brother Andrew brought it out. It was him coming, but we also have to be ready. Isaac was ready for Rebecca, but she had to water the power. She had to ride that power. She had to be prepared. I asked the question, have we really done our part? Have we really said, Lord, come meet us in our services. Come meet me in my life. Let that reality be in me. I, I desire that. I, I don't know about you. I don't just want to hear theology. I don't want just mechanics. I want the spirit quickening to the word uh, uh, in my daily life. That doesn't mean that you have a jumping and shouting all the time. But it just sometimes it's deep. And oh God... It's real. Oh, I thank God for that. It, it is something that God, God puts in us. It's his spirit. If that same spirit that dwelt in Christ dwell in you, it will quicken. Friends, it takes a quickening. Brother and I were just talking about the other day. What does that quickening mean sometimes? Sometimes it means a little trial. Sometimes it means you, the enemy comes real close. And say, hold on a second. I'm not a part of that. I'm a part of him. And I'm going to get closer to him. Sometimes it's a little pressure. That brings a quickening. But it's also sitting in heavenly places. Hearing the word. The anointing. Jesus said, my words, they are spirit and life. There's an anointing on the word. As you sit in it. As you feed on it. It's, it's a living presence. Pardon me. That was the rest of my mini sermonette. And Brother Andrew inspired me to. God bless you, Brother Andrew. If that same spirit. That same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you. Oh, if that spirit dwells.